0: wonder if we could turn in our Bibles, the book of James, and to the third chapter, the epistle of James, the third chapter, and we're going to read from verse 1 of the chapter. James chapter 3, beginning at the first verse of the chapter. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation For many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word. The same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm. "'whithersoever the governor listeth. "'Even so the tongue is a little member, "'and boasteth of great things. "'Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. "'And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. "'So is the tongue among our members, "'that it defileth the whole body, "'and setteth on fire the cross of nature, "'and is set on fire of hell. "'For every kind of beast, and of birds, "'and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place Sweet water and bitter can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, neither either, a fine figs, so can no fountains both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envy and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not. "'Against the truth, this wisdom descendeth not from above, "'but is earthly, sensual, devilish. "'For where envy and strife is, "'there's confusion in every evil work. "'But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, "'then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, "'full of mercy and good fruits, "'without partiality and without hypocrisy. "'And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace.'" of them that make peace. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reign of his word again in our meeting. Let's unite together at the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee that we are able to come and to read the practical instruction that God brings in his word. We thank thee that thou art not just a interested in the higher things and the great matters of eternity. Lord, we thank Thee that Thou art interested in the very practical and down-to-earth things that are uh, those things that come against us day by day. And we pray, Lord, even as we think about these things, we think about the tongue here in our meeting, we pray, gracious God, that Thou must give us those lips that speak praise for God, those lips that might be edifying to those around about us and not those uh, lips that tell tales and prattle and uh, do evil with our tongue. Lord, we pray that our tongues might be the instrument of spreading the kingdom of God and the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Be with us now, we pray of Thee in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, we've been looking over the last few weeks at some of the things that will cause trouble to God's people, and we've been thinking about some of these uh, things that will uh, hinder us in our Christian walk and those things that will bring grief into our lives. We thought about temptation. We took a couple of weeks to look at the problem of temptation. Last time we thought about troublous people or troublesome people and today we want to come to the third one of these things that will uh, cause problems amongst God's people and that is the tongue. On a windswept hill in an the, the, English country churchyard stands a drab slab of grey tombstone and the quaint stone bears an epitaph it's hardly able to be read anymore it's been uh, wiped away by the time and by the winds and by the rain but if you look closely the faint etchings will read beneath this stone a lump of clay lies Arabella Young who on the 24th of May began to hold her tongue And obviously she was a person known for using her tongue in a poisonous way in that day. William uh, Norris, an American journalist, is known for specialized simple simple rhymes packed with a wallop at times. And he once once wrote the lines, If your lips would keep from slips, find things observed with care, to whom you speak, Of whom you speak, and how, and when, and where. And the Christians that James was dealing with obviously had forgotten the truth uh, of those uh, sentiments. Because James says here that they were to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. He further goes on and he says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, this man's religion is vain. And in James 2 and 12, he told them that if they were to speak, they were to act as and speak as if they were facing the Lord Jesus Christ. And in James chapter 4, verses one, eleven, 11 and 12, there is evidence that some of these assemblies that James was writing to had become very raucous. They were places where there was a lot of noise and not a lot of godliness, and the power of speech is one of the greatest powers that we can have. We can pray with our tongues, we can preach with our tongues, we can witness with our tongues, we can tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ. We can edify people and build them up, we can encourage people with our tongues, and we can speak words of kindness to those that are around about us. What a privilege it is to be able to use our tongue. But on the other hand, we can tell lies with our tongues. We can bring people down. We can barrage people with a fit of anger. We can blast them and we can bring them down. We can entice somebody into the wrong path. We can um, uh, lead somebody into sin with our tongues or even to a life of debauchery. So we have a very powerful instrument and that is the instrument of the tongue. And in this portion of scripture, one of you see that James, James here is very intent with dealing with the tongue, And he uses a number of pictures in order to illustrate what he's getting at. And I think the fact that he uses, he comes at it at different angles. And the fact that he comes at it at different angles is an indication of the importance with which he regards this thing. And we think of what he says here In this portion of Scripture and in other portions of Scripture, Proverbs 15 verse 2 says, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. And you'll see here that James says in verse 6 that the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. And it says it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature. So this is something that we need to get hold of. It's something that needs to be set right in our lives. If we're misusing the tongue, if we're letting the tongue run away with us, then we are in very great danger indeed. So I want us just very briefly see something about the right and wrong use of the tongue as James speaks here in other portions of Scripture that we will turn to. And first of all, I want you to see the restraint of the tongue. Look at verses 2 to 4, and he gives these different pictures here. He says, If any man offend uh, not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, Yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. And we learn some things about the tongue there. We can see that the tongue is small. He speaks about putting bits into a horse's mouth or a small helm. And he says here, even so, the tongue is a little member. And it is so small. And that's why we often take it for granted. It's hidden away. Many creatures have uh, bigger tongues than we have. Uh, We think of the tongue of the blue whale. It measures 5,400 pounds. It is uh, 385 stone. It is a massive thing. But our tongue at best probably is about three inches from the back to the front. And yet it causes so much bother. You see, while the tongue is small... The tongue is definitely significant. You think of the illustration here about the bit that is put in the horse's mouth. And you think of even of the funeral of the late queen and the uh, men that were riding on their horses. And how they would hold those great animals with their reins and the bit that was in their mouth. And sometimes an animal would get skittish and began to prance or began to bolt a little And the uh, soldier would just get hold of that uh, great animal with the reins and pull it in with the bit in the mouth. And they were able to direct the force and the power of that great animal with the little bit in the mouth. And he also speaks then about the um, helm or the uh, rudder of the ship. And with the very small rudder, the helmsman can steer the ship wherever he wants it to go. And so it is with our tongue. You know, with our tongue we can uh, say great things or we can say things that are absolutely poisonous. You think of the judge that pronounces a man guilty or not guilty. And so by a single word he can uh, condemn a man or set a man free. A prime minister can say a few words and sign a few documents. And the country can be at war. And so there is a great potential that there is in the tongue. And we should never underestimate the guidance that you may give or the words that you can speak. The Lord Jesus spoke to a woman at a whale. And not only was her life transformed, but the life of her whole village was as well. Peter said a few words on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 souls were saved by the grace of God. In April the 22nd, 1855, a man by the name of Edward Kimball went in to buy a pair of shoes in a shoe shop in the city of Boston in the United States. And in there he met a young salesman by the name of D.L. Moody, began to witness to D.L. Moody And as a result of that, D.L. Moody came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as his Savior. And he was the means then, later on as you'll know, of seeing thousands and hundreds brought to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. What great things the tongue can do, but what awful things the tongue can do as well. The tongue is small, but it's significant. But also I want you to see that it needs to be strong. You think of the bit there that is in the horse's mouth. Or the rudder on the end of the ship. And it has to stand against strong country forces. The the horse will want to go its own way. Or you think of the winds and the seas. That will toss the boat about. And the country Uh, forces that come and they're very mighty and we think of how the uh, contrary forces have to be stood against and it's the same with us. We think of how the world and the flesh would want us to say things, speak in anger or to say things that we shouldn't say or just to misrepresent what somebody else has said. And there's the pressures of the world and there's the pressures of the devil and there's the pressures of the flesh. And sometimes we think of the world today and we're being pressurized into forced speech to say things that are not true, to say things that are politically correct but are completely against common sense. And we are being pressurized into forced speech. And we have to be strong We have to be strong in order to say what is true and what is right. And you think of the rudder, it has to be under the uh, strong hand, or the reins have to be under a strong hand. And so we need to keep our tongues in control. But we're we're not enough to control the tongue by ourselves. We need the Lord. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who ultimately is able to control our tongues. It says in Proverbs 18 and verse 21, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And how serious that is. Death and life, he says, are in the power of the tongue. You think of the Psalm 14, or 141 rather, verses 3 and 4. He says, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips, incline not my heart. To any evil thing, and David knew that the heart is the key to right speech, and that the Lord Jesus Christ, he's praying, Lord, set a watch before my mouth, and that's a good prayer to pray as we go out day by day. Lord, set a watch over my mouth, because ultimately it's only the Lord that can control our tongues, and we see something of the restraint of the tongue. But then I want you to think about the recklessness of the tongue. Notice what James says here in verse 6. He says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hail. Now you notice there, he speaks of it being set on fire, and set on fire of hail. But you think of the destruction that fire can uh, bring. Uh, last year or in the last few years, there were destructive fires in the Moors that destroyed vast tracts of the morns. And it started probably just a little uh, spark here or there. When we were in um, Australia a few years ago, we had just gone just after the whole of the western coast of Australia had been devastated by fires and wildlife and all of the rest had been destroyed. You think of um, London in 1666, the Great Fire of London, and the great destruction. A, a fire started in a bakery in a very simple way, but it devastated the uh, wooden buildings, the sort of Tudor buildings of London, and uh, great tracts of the city of London were destroyed. Seventy thousand, seventy thousand of the cities. 80,000 inhabitants lost their homes. There was a small death toll, but maybe the death toll was underestimated. But there were 13,000 or 13,500 houses destroyed, 86 or 87 parish churches, Uh, St. Paul's Cathedral, the Bridewell Palace, the Customs House, so many of the great buildings of London were destroyed just by one fire. It is estimated that 8.5 million acres were destroyed in 2014 by a fire in the Northwest Territories of Canada. And so we see the devastation of a fire. And this is what the Bible, this is what the Spirit of God likens our tongues to. You can set on fire some situation. You, you can use your tongue, and you can cause devastation in a church, or in your family, or in your situation. We need to be very careful with our tongue. It says in Proverbs fifteen and one, "A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger." The fires of discouragement, the fires of lies, the fires of gossip. And you know, we can use our tongues in many destructive ways. You think of flattery, for example. It says in Proverbs 26, verse 28, A lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. What is flattery? At the end of the day, it's lies. There are people that like to be flattered. There are people that like to have excessive praise put upon them, uh, praise without merit. And they love that kind of thing. But I want you to see that the Bible strongly condemns false flattery. It's lies. It's, he says, as Solomon says uh, in, in the book of Proverbs, He that hateth dissembleth with his lips, and layeth up deceit within him. He says, when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there are seven abominations in his heart. And again, I want you to underline... The way that the Bible speaks about what we do with our tongue. Abomination. Set on fire of hell. It's deceit. And so we can flatter and we can say things that in, in the end are lies. Flattery. You think of bearing and gossip and how the Bible warns us against gossip. Against bearing. If you look there in verses 7 and 8 of the portion that we read, it says, For every kind of beast... And of birds and of serpents and the things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We love the gospel. We love to get the news. Spread the news. Get uh, whatever is new. But we need to be very careful that we're not passing on slander or misrepresenting somebody else. Because we can be passing on a tissue of lies. The book of Proverbs again says, Proverbs 10 and verse 18, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. So we need to be very careful. And God is against gossip and slander. Proverbs 17 and 9 again, He that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. And we need to be very careful then about what we repeat. And what we say. What about strife and anger? Angry words. Maybe somebody's given you a verbal black eye in the past. I remember once a girl launching a tirade against some people. And if they had wanted to, they could have uh, set that girl down. She was only a small, slight little thing. And they could have um, pushed her aside. And uh, they could have... Um, Uh, shut her mouth for her really if if they had wanted to but such was the tirade of anger that she was bringing against them that she they were almost cowering before her and we need to watch anger it says in Proverbs 18 verses 6 and 7 a fool's lips enter into contention and his mouth calleth for strokes a fool's mouth is his destruction and his lips lips are the snare of a soul. You know, we not only do harm to others, but we do harm to ourselves. The old saying says, "Nurse a grudge, poison your body; poison your gr- grudge, nurse your body." Listen to what Sam, uh, Solomon says in Proverbs twenty-nine and twenty-two: "An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man." aboundeth in transgression. And so we think of anger, how often we let anger run ahead of us. Anger gets control of it. And it's so very easy to be very angry against others that are around about us. And we need to be careful about angry words. We need to let the sun go down upon our wrath. But then there's something else that we can do with our tongues, and that's Reckless and foolish talking. A fool sometimes will feel compelled to speak when they should be silent. A a, a fool sometimes gives his opinion when he should not give his opinion. Proverbs 17, verses 27 and 28. He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth, His lips is esteemed a man of understanding. I remember a man who was in a dispute and he um, uh, got all, the verdict was about to be given. Um, We were sort of adjudicating on the case. Um, It was brought before the session and the man was ready to leap. Now the, the verdict was going to go his way. if he had 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 patience and waited for the verdict, but he was so convinced that the verdict was going against him that he just uh, leaped in there, and I said, just wait a minute. Uh, Just listen a little while, and you'll hear the rest. And sometimes we can jump in and run to conclusions and jump to conclusions that we shouldn't jump to, and we can let our tongues run away with us. Something else profanity and vulgarity. We live in a day when the airwaves are full and polluted by bad language that we hardly even know that it's so. I wrote to the um, uh, broadcasting authorities um, the the body that um, does the film classifications and they give a you classification which is a, a classification which is for everybody. It's on uh, Classifying youth classification and in the U classification they will allow God's name to be taken in vain they will allow the name of Jesus to be taken in vain and when I wrote to them about that they said that they've done th- uh, surveys and in this day and generation people do not count the name of God to be something that's offensive to them when it's taken as a vulgarity I think we ought to do something like that. I I have the notion of mounting a campaign against that so that those authorities know that there are Christians that do count it to be an offensive thing when God's name is taken in vain. But you know, we think of Facebook and TikTok and all of these signs, and even sometimes those that profess the name of God, they will write OMG. And that's just, um, that's just a, a shortened form of a profanity, taking God's name in vain. We need to be careful about obscenities and taking on the world's form of speech. Something else lies destroyed. In Proverbs 6, verses 16 to 18, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the the, uh, the um, brethren. And you notice that among the seven things that God hates, three of them are to do with the tongue. Three of them are to do with the tongue. It really bothers our Heavenly Father. Now, at times we look on this as a minor thing. We look at what we say and the way that we say it and the things that we say as a minor thing. But I think I have quoted enough verses for you that speak of abomination and speak of evil and speak of, speak of things that are uh, uh, are uh, absolutely hated by God. To know That the tongue is something that we need to watch and something that we need to guard. So we see something of the restraint of the tongue and the recklessness of the tongue. But then I want you to see the reeling tongue. And this is the tongue. It's sort of a hypocritical tongue. Look at verses 9 and 10. It reels from one thing to the other. It says, Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And therewith, curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. So this is a tongue that can be sweetness to one person an encouragement to one person and then turn round and tell lies and be deceitful to the next person. This is a tongue it's going one way and the other. It's a hypocritical tongue. It reels to and fro. You know that one of the qualifications of a deacon or a committee man is in First Timothy 3 and 8, and it says, Likewise, most the, de- most the deacons be grave, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre. And the Bible has a name for this kind of reeling tongue. It speaks of it as being double-tongued. And it's untrustworthy. People, pleasers are very apt to do this. If you want to please people, you will just agree with what they say. And one might say one thing you'll agree with it, and the next person comes along and they say something different, and you agree with that as well. That's being double tongued. Or schemers can be double tongued. Those that don't care about other people and how they feel and just have selfish goals. And they will just agree with everything that somebody says in order to get round them, in order to make sure that their uh, agenda is advanced. Schemers, double-tongued. But you notice what James says. He says, my brethren, these things ought not to be so. You cannot put forth mixed messages. So here he is. And he says, don't be double-tongued. Don't have that tongue that reels to and fro, never settles on ever anything. But one more thing that I want you to see, and our time is gone, is the right use of the tongue. He speaks here of the tongue, how it ought to be. He, he says that the tongue ought to be a fountain of water. You think of the full or the cool, refreshing water that comes From the fountain. And in Proverbs 13 and verse 14, it says, the law of the wise is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. And the words of the just are described here as being like a fountain, a fountain that sends forth cool water. And the fountain uh, brings forth that which is able to keep a person alive, is able to refresh them. You think of the countries that Solomon was dealing with or even James was dealing with there was the heat of the summer and we think of the uh, beating down of the sun but he says that the tongue can be like a fountain of waters it can bring refreshment it can bring blessing my how we need to have our tongues used like that as a refreshment to those that are around about us and also as a witness you think of Ezekiel 33 and 6. It says, If the watchman see, not, see the sword come, and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. And we need to be watchmen for God. We need to be those that are witnesses for God and those that warn for God. Warn men and women to flee from the wrath to come. Warn them about the consequences of their sin. Warn them that they're going down the road to a lost, undone eternity. And we need to use our tongues to be witnesses for Christ and to warn men and women about the consequences of missing Christ. And could I say to you, if you're listening in today and you're not sealed, that I need to warn you about the consequences of your sin. I need to tell you about the the wrath to come and that you need to flee from that place. But what a blessing it is to be laborers together with God, to use our tongues as the means of spreading the gospel of Christ and making sure that the kingdom of God is expanded. Oh, may we use our tongues aright in these days and make sure that we guard our tongues lest they be used by the devil to spread poison in amongst the people of God. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just turn, please, to the hymn 409. And we'll sing a few verses of the hymn. Um, There are those that maybe need to go, and we'll go to the back. But it's the hymn 409. Oh, for a heart to praise my God, a heart from sin set free, a heart that always feels thy blood so freely shed for me. We'll sing the first two verses of the hymn and we'll stand as we sing. Pray that thou wouldst be with us around thy table in a few minutes. Draw us nigh to thee, for it's in Jesus' precious name that we'd ask these things. Amen.